Ma. Winning lottery numbers coming up. I'm gonna switch it up for y'all a little bit. Get grown. You know why? Huh? It's hurricane season. The new Miami. The new Miami. The new Miami. Surge, surge. The new Miami. The new Miami. The new Miami. All right, welcome back to the Wide Ride Podcast. Special episode today. Busy time down in Coral Gables. I'm your host, Manny Navarro, beat writer for The Athletic. Joined, as always, by uh, our favorite uh, college football center, Kelvin Harris, three-time national champ. And today we've got a special guest. We've got the guy he snapped the ball to during the 1991 season. That's right, Heisman Trophy winner, Gino Toretta. Gino, this is going to be a fun show, man. You guys, how long has it been since you guys have talked to each other? And and, uh, how long has it been since he snapped your football? Has it been 29 years? I, I got I got a first ask. Is he the only center you know in college football? Is that why he's your favorite, or, or is, it, is it between him and is it between him and, and and Casey Jones? And Casey Jones isn't on the call, so you're going with with Kelvin. But uh, it is, uh, yeah. It's, it's, it, it hadn't been uh, well. Heck, it might have been last last season. Uh, probably the last uh, yeah, time we saw each other. Uh, yeah, it was, yeah, it was yeah, a season before. Haven't, uh, yeah, he hasn't. He hasn't. He hasn't snapped me the ball in a in a uh, in a in a long in a long long time. I and I can I can tell you this much: when he left, and Claude left, and Leon left, and Coach Erickson goes, uh, "We're gonna uh, put you in a little bit more shotgun this year, or I mean, a lot more to keep you upright." So, uh, so that, that was probably the, that was probably the end of the normal snap game for our uh, for our offense when when Sweet and uh, Claude and, and Leon left. Hey, hey, you know what? He's. I'm glad he said it because me and Leon and Claude said to each other all the time because they left you with Snuffy. Wow. <laughs> well, I mean, I love know, these nicknames, you know by the way. Kelvin, the, the the best. I had a buddy of mine. He's like, "Who's your offensive line your senior year?" I, I I think I told somebody that you know a bunch of guys got banged up, and you know besides losing you know you three. And then, you know, Mario was banged up most of the year in 92. Um, ended up moving uh, Carlos Etheridge, who was oh. a tight end at 238, the weak tackle. Um, uh, Snuff was, was the center. I think Rudy was the guard. Claude, I believe, or, or not Claude. Um, Kip Vickers. Lamelski was the other right tackle. We moved to D yeah, tackle, no, yeah, Kip, Kip Vickers, Vickers to right guard. Yeah, it was uh, it was it was a patchwork crew that didn't, and how we got through the regular season undefeated was uh, was a, a minor miracle. I want to go down memory lane with you guys, but I also want to get to some topics. But uh, you, you okay holding off, Kelvin, or, or should we should we let say, you keep reminiscing? I was just gonna say one other thing about Gino snapping me the ball. If he'd have been snapping me the ball in '95 when we were in the World League, instead of uh, if I'd have been snapping him the ball instead of Will uh, Fear, I'd have another fucking ring because that guy fucking sucked. <laughs> <laughs> I just had to get that out, man. You, you had to get it out. I hear you. <laughs> hey, guys. Um, I, I really appreciate you doing it together. It's fun h- hearing you two guys talk, man. And I'm sure Canes fans are going to enjoy that part, uh, reminiscing with you two in a little bit. But obviously a busy day, Gino. And, and you're a radio guy. You got your own radio company, Touchdown Radio. You, you go around the country. You see a lot of these teams. Let me ask you first off, did you think we were going to have a college football season? Did you think we were going to get to this point? And do you still think we're going to have a college football season? Because all we have so far is a schedule. Well, I, I, I think, yeah, there's been there's been so many moving parts. Um, you know, I think probably the plans, you know, I mean, 
like I said to my wife, uh, it's still March, right? I mean, it's like we haven't we haven't moved. I mean, I, we haven't really gone much out of the house. We haven't traveled anywhere, so, you know, for four months, trying to hopefully this thing would be slowing down, but but uh, it hasn't. Um, you know, there's a, there's schedules coming out, um, which which is good, but I I think that unless uh, you're like the NBA where you can essentially you know, have guys locked down and the, anybody and everybody uh, contained with continual testing and, and, and not let the, the virus get in. Um, we see what's happening in baseball right now, you know, especially with the Marlins. Um, I, I, I personally, I think it's a matter of time with, with the, you know, with, with college football, whether we start this season or not, I, I don't know. I'm I'm still up in the air. I, I'm I'm pessimistic that that the season's going to happen because I think I think we what, what do we have? I think we have a day or two left before the NFL guys can opt out and say I'm not playing because of the risk. Um, you know, I I think that you know from the standpoint of you know playing, you know, I would say this: if I'm a quarterback throwing to wide receivers, yeah, can we run seven on seven? Yeah, sure, we can run seven on seven. You know, and, and I can think back to, you know, the, the offensive line days. I mean, Kelvin knows. I mean, how many times did Mario Cristobal come up the line of scrimmage and, and, and barf as he's getting down on a three-point stand? <laughs> now, not for nothing, if, 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 I'm, if I'm a defensive lineman on your team or not, that's going to be the easiest block you just made because it's like I'm coming nowhere near you. And how can you, how can you stop that? You know, and that's that's where I think yeah. they can't put a bubble on all these kids. They don't have, you know, I, if they went back to maybe football norms like we used to have when when we were in school, and everybody stayed on campus and they can control you, you know, then I think maybe you got a chance. But uh, I, I I mean, you know, I think it's great that the the schedules are coming out, but I just think there's so many moving parts and things like that. And ba- if baseball is having a hard time, the ultimate distance sport that uh, football for sure is going to have trouble. Yeah. We've all got our fingers crossed that somehow this gets done. And and I think Blake James said it uh, last week when they initially uh, released just the opponents, that this is all very aspirational, you know, that uh, more likely than not, you're going to have canceled games. And this season is is probably going to be affected in some way, either by guys opting out, especially the guys who, who, want to get drafted and, and, you know, for whatever reason, uh, just don't want to play this year and, and risk their health. And then, uh, you know, just, just, just a mess. I mean, the Marlins, like you said, that was just so uh, the way it spread so quickly. And, and that's going to be an interesting challenge. We're going to get a chance to talk to Manny Diaz later today, the media. And, and I want to ask him, how, how do you practice? You know, how do you sort of separate right. guys and still get a good enough practice in? Where you know you've got a second unit, you know if if the whole first unit gets gets the virus, you know. Well, and and, and, and here's the thing with with besides how easily it's it's transmitted, you know what I mean from from one person's breath to another is the spectrum of the virus. If any one of us is affected, is no symptoms to mild symptoms to death. Now, none of the three of us or anybody knows what part of that spectrum you're on, do we? We don't know. Like me, I don't know if I'm on the death side. So, you know what? I will opt out of, you know, I don't want the risk of of getting it 
you know, because then let's say you, you are in good shape. I mean, Von Miller's coming out with stories now. He lost 25 pounds. He wasn't eating. You know, the Boston Red Sox guy, he, he's got heart issues now. I mean, that's the whole thing. I mean, mm-hmm. we're talking about a virus that's been around for seven months. We're, we're, we can address, I guess, short-term issues with it where we're doing better and keeping people alive. But we don't know how that's going to affect people. I mean, it's already, you know, it's like, the, you know, you're talking about young, healthy people. And now they got, you know, damaged hearts or lungs for the rest of their life. And it, I don't know. To me, I, because of that spectrum, uh, I would err on the side of, of, of caution and then, all right, you know, I'm not worried about if I get it or not. Um. Obviously, we're we're gonna try to proceed with a show that actually talks about football because in case it does happen, um, you know, we, we want to provide something because I don't I don't want to just bring everybody down and think okay hey, we're doing all this for nothing. I, I think we're uh, the, the whole concept is they're gonna try, and I think everybody understands that now. Gino um, and I get Kelvin, I want to get you in on this too. The schedule obviously came out. We know now that Miami's gonna open the season uh thursday night september 10th they're actually the first game of any of any acc team they're going to be hosting uab that night and then uh you know they're going to get florida state two weeks later at home after a trip to louisville and then the clemson game um besides clemson we all know that they're look five-time defending conference champions we know that's the toughest game when you look at the schedule gino which game do you think is the second biggest game and calvin you can you can follow up with, with that right after well, I don't know about second biggest game. I would say that start. Um, I, I don't know if we always did this. It, when we were playing, Kellen, it was like, okay, if we get to here undefeated, we have a, a pretty good chance or we know how good of a team we're going to have. I would say Louisville, which got better and better last year under Satterfield and the new coach. I think they're a tough out, a lot tougher than, than people thought last year, so that you would expect them to have improved. Uh, Florida State is always your rival, and you know they're going to be a tough out. And then you got Clemson. I, I, I mean, I think don't you say evaluate after those first four games and say, all right, this is how good, or this is how much we need to improve because you will essentially have evaluated yourself against the best in the conference and one of the best in the in, in the country in in Clemson. And also within your own division, your your rival, and and in Louisville, one of the one of the upstart, uh, you know, younger, uh, powerful teams in the league. I, I I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'm just crazy. I just look at it. That's a that's a pretty tough uh, schedule start for for anybody, especially for a team that had four days of spring ball, has a new transfer quarterback, has a new transfer left tackle, and has a lot of uh, unknowns heading into the season. Yeah, um, I'm going to agree with him about those first four games. I'm going to take it a step further because, um, you know, you know, Betty knows this. On a podcast I do, I've talked to – I've been previewing the teams that are supposed to be our toughest opponents, and the first team I previewed was Clemson. And the one thing that stuck out to me was, hey, wait a minute. This, this goes back to, like, 91, you know. When we was looking down the roster, and I remember me and Claude Lee, I was talking about, but damn, if we beat Florida State and Penn State, we gonna run the table. And I'm just looking at that schedule, and I agree with him. If we come out of the first four weeks, four and zero, we're probably gonna steamroll through everybody else because those kids will have gotten the confidence, will have answered all the questions. Because Gino's right, there's a whole bunch of like anybody that questions how good this team is has a right to. 
because the last two years we peed on our legs and, and crapped in our pants so much that I can't blame anybody from, you know, questioning how good this team is. But if we beat if we beat Clemson at Clemson and we've beaten those other three teams, I think we'll have answered the questions. And then it's a situation of can we not get too overconfident and play each week? Or like I like I, I sent a message to Garrett yesterday, we gotta go one and oh 14 times. So after you, you know, you beat let's just say we do beat Clemson. You can't get too high. You got to start looking at the rest of the schedule and preparing for each team. And then I guess the big game, they set it up, will be us against Carolina at the end of the year. But, you know, we got question marks, but we got the talent. I guess, you know what, it kind of reminds me of 91, you know, because remember at 90, we had 11 guys get drafted. I mean, you know, technically you were a new quarterback, even though you had starting experience. I mean, we had to replace a lot of guys on the O-line, um, pretty much the whole D-line. But we went one game every week, went 1-0, and and we got a chance to go to the White House again. Another another, uh, another uh, parade down Biscayne. And I think this team has the ability, but there's a lot of questions, and they just haven't ever done it. So we got to see if they can do it. That's what I would say, man, like to talk about that is we saw other teams do it. You know what I mean? We, I mean, I was getting recruited mm-hmm. when the 87 team won it. Kelvin was there. 80, 88, we had a horrible call against Notre Dame and missed out by one. 89, we won it. 90, we should have won it, but we tripped our, stubbed our toe against BYU and, and, um, Notre Dame. Another loss. Um, Notre, Notre Dame. Dame. So, yeah, we 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 saw we saw what it took, and we we knew we had to. I think, I mean, and we were pissed. I mean, I, Kelvin, I, I mean, I know I was pissed. We were outside of the top ten in the preseason in '91, and we're like, wait a sec. I mean, all of us, all of us, really had experience. We weren't starters, but we had a lot of guys that had experience. But that's that's the question mark. Is you have a team that they have never seen that. They have never seen what it takes. And, and and never been on a team that has has done it, and that's that's the biggest question mark. Are they going to be able to, you know, avoid distraction, focus, worry about themselves, and maybe sometimes you know play better than uh, play better than they are? I mean, I think that's the that's the big question going into this year. One thing they do have on their side, Gino, is they've got a, a new offensive coordinator who was already part of one of the best turnarounds in, in college football in Red Lashley. He was uh, with Gus Malzahn at Auburn when they went from 3-9 and nine to you know a late Jameis Winston touchdown pass from winning the national title. And, and yes, that was Gus's offense, but Rhett was the quarterback's coach too, and he worked a lot with Nick Marshall, and he's got a guy now in De'Aaron King who's got a lot of those same skills and, and running ability, uh, running ability. And I want to ask you about Derek. I don't know how much, you know, you saw him before you knew he was transferring to, to Miami, but now that you do know he's there, have you watched much of his film? What do you think of him as a quarterback? I know some people were mentioning him as, as a Heisman dark horse. Um, what are your impressions of him so far? Well, I, I think the one good thing that when you recruit a quarterback that's already played in college, there's a little bit less of the unknown of, you know, versus, hey, he's a five-star kid coming out of high school. How's that, how's that going to transfer mm-hmm. once he, he gets into here? So to me, is, is Derek has produced. 
and he's produced some some huge numbers um, at Houston. I think that there is going to be a little bit of a difference um, when he's, you know, I, I mean, Houston was the top of of the you know non power five leagues, I think, or non power five teams, one of, um, and he's going to get here, and and you, you know, I kind of think of uh, of the jump from college to the NFL where. You know, there was there was three guys that you would face every defense that you'd say, all right, those guys are legit. They're going to the NFL. Okay, maybe there's one guy in a in a non-power five school, maybe one to two per guy per defense. Well, he's going to get to power five, and all of a sudden, there's three guys. That's going to speed up the game. Whether that's three guys up front, a linebacker, or say secondary guy. So I think that the question is, it will the game will speed up a little bit for him. But he has produced, um, and and anybody to me that has taken live fire and produced, I, I feel pretty good about. The, 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 what I what I don't feel good about is, and it wouldn't matter if he was the quarterback, I was the quarterback, or whatever. If I only have four spring practices, um, you know, mental reps are great, but mental reps, you know, they don't they don't do it for you when. You know, you're walking out there Thursday night or, or, or Saturday at noon or Saturday at night and live bullets are flying and, and you, you react differently or defense does something differently that you weren't expecting. That's what I want to see. But he, he has done it um, where he's been. The question is putting all those pieces together here with a new language, new teammates, new, you know, guys. Are, there's a lot, of, a lot of new pieces of the puzzle um, on offense. Kevin, I know how you feel about him. I guess my question to you, Kelvin, is um, in regards to Derek going on the road, playing at a Clemson. Um, you know, is he ready for that in your mind? Yes, he's played at the highest level, but I mean, this is this is a that's a tough, tough as hell assignment. You know, it's a it is a jump up. Well, one thing, his second game of the season last year was at Oklahoma. Um, he's played in some places. Uh, Gino, I've known about this kid since he was in the ninth grade because when I was living in Houston, a uh, guy I played with in the World League, Sean Washington, who worked with the uh, Houston Texans for a long time, uh, was his godfather. And one of my best friends was uh, – they all went to school together in high, in high school. And they – you know, they – I've known about this kid and I've watched him through high school and I knew his whole situation at, at, at Houston. And uh, I've, you know, talked to him quite a bit now that he's here. And um, I agree with you about the, the speed of the game. But he has been in situations against teams with that speed. The Oklahoma game last year was a wake-up call, I guess, for the whole Houston um, program because they couldn't protect him. And he, he made as much as he could happen, but he didn't have any help. And um, – right. The offense is very yeah, I, similar to what he ran yeah. all through high school. So I think the toughest part mm-hmm. is the chemistry part with the receivers. Like you, you know, you made a great point about we all had experience when we came in in 91. You and Lamar and Horace and K-Dub and Spence had worked together in practice on the second team for a year, two years. You actually heck for, heck started from the from the from the scout from the scout team from from when Butch was there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hell, you started, and then you remember you started three four games as a true freshman. 
so you you know you want you you had some chemistry. The one thing I say this, Gino, talking to people that watch them for practice, we actually got an advantage over everybody else in the in the in the, in the country because I think we were one of the only the one of the few schools that actually got practices in. From my from my calculation, Clemson got the most spring practices in. I think of anybody, they got like seven. I think Kansas State got like nine in, and then most of the SEC, most of the Big Ten, and pretty much all of the Pac-12 got no practices in. So we mm-hmm. actually are ahead of the game in that we actually know what that offense looks like with him. It's just a question of yeah. who's going to be Horace, who's going to be Lamar, and who's going to be K-Dub, in my opinion. That's the biggest question mark. Yeah. Well, and 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 and, and you're right, Kelly. Like I look at like I, that's that's the thing with a kid that's already taken live bullets on Saturdays in major college, is he's already done it. He's played against Oklahoma, and so the stage is not going to be a big deal to him. You know what I mean? He's he he's he's seen those stadiums and all that, but you're not playing against the stadium. You're not playing against that. You're playing against the twenty-two on the field. And yeah. just like him, just like just like Kyler Murray against Alabama in the in the playoff game a couple of years ago, you can't do it on your own. And he he has to rely on or he is are the other ten guys going to be able to step up in that in those moments and and give him a chance to make plays or or any of the players a chance you know, to make plays. And I think that's, that's the biggest question mark. I mean, he's, he's probably the least question mark on the offense because he's already produced at this level and, and produced probably a higher level than anybody else on the offense around him. But it, Mike, it's more of, I guess it's a question for the offense in general and the defense is, you know what, are they going to produce as a collective group? I don't know. I'm worried about just, you know, Derek as one player, I'm more worried about is Derek going to have enough time to make a play? Is he going to have enough time? I mean, you know, I mean, probably the last, you know, when I went to the Miami Florida game a season ago, there were plenty of opportunities that guys could have made. And that's not just the quarterback. That's, that's the entire offense. And, and they just didn't do it. Yeah. Well, like last year, now I'll say this, the big difference this year as compared to last year is two things. The offensive line coach gels better with the players and the techniques he's teaching, the tackles especially, is better. And he's already made the O-line better. And then we get the kid from Houston. Um, apparently, he's pretty good. So we got a solid base because <laughs> now we don't have a, a guy playing tackle that should be playing guard. We got a guard playing guard, a tackle playing tackle. And honestly, Gino – Let's just be honest. This offense is as bubblegum as it gets. If you can't pick this offense up, you know, you need to be riding a short bus. I mean, come on. So, so, so it ain't no excuses. I mean, it's, it's – Well, the, the, biggest, well G, the G, biggest question mark – Go ahead. Gino's right. The biggest question mark is not De'Aaron King. I'm not worried about De'Aaron King. I'm not worried about Brevin Jordan. I'm not worried about Cam Harris. Um, the question marks, to be honest with you, the biggest question marks to me are who's going to be Lamar Thomas, who's going to be Horace Copeland, and who's going to be Kevin Williams. 
We need playmakers. Somebody need to drop their nuts out there at the receiver position and become a star. You know, we got enough receivers. Somebody got to want that. Got to want to be the guy wearing the touchdown uh, rings. And the, the offensive line is a lot more solid this year than last year. Because, you know, you put a 260-pound uh, true freshman at left tackle with bad technique. He's being taught bad technique. Uh, good luck with that. And I will say this, Gino. Dear King won't face four better defensive ends in the game than he will in practice every day. That might help with the transition because we got the two best yep. pass rushers in the country, and the two dudes behind them is just as good. Uh, Gino, uh, this Red Lashley offense, I mean, you you ran a, obviously a wide-open offense with, with what Dennis was doing, but this is much more about pace. I just did a big article on, on all the teams who play with, you know, that that quick pace where they're running up and, and snapping the ball every 20 to 23 seconds. Um, and, and really, there's not a lot of them that are great at it. Um, UCF is sort of the best one at it. Um, but how do you think, you know, do, do you think this is a move that Miami should have made a long time ago, getting getting this kind of an offense going again where it's spread, it's hurry up, and it's taking advantage of their athletes? What, what do you think about that philosophical change that Manny decided to do to, from, from going what they did for many years to, to this? Well, philosophically, I, to me, is get your best 11 players on the field. And if that's two back, three back, no back, you know, however many backs and how many wide receivers or tight ends and get them on the field and, and, and let it eat and let them play. Um, you know, if if this scheme and that, 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 I think, is what great coaches do. They're not, they're not necessarily set on this is what we're going to run. Um, they're, okay, this is my base offense, and do we have the personnel that, that can excel at that offense, or do we need to make a few, few changes in, in that? And I think that, you know, if you look at, uh, you know, what, what Dennis did initially, um, you know, was, was predominantly one back under center, then we went to, you know, one back shotgun. Then we went to, you know what, why are we keeping, why are we shuttling in Kevin Williams, you know, every other play? Why don't we just put four wide receivers on the field and no backs out there? You know, and I, and I think that mm-hmm. that those are the kinds of things that, that give a defense fits is when you always get your best 11 on the field. Now, from, from the, the standpoint of, of the hurry up offense, um, my my take on the offense, I like hurry up offense, but I like hurry up offense if the quarterback knows how to run it and the quarterback's not staring at the sidelines looking for looking for cards and looking for signals. Um and and I can just go by, you know, when I was on the field and I'm running a two minute drill, I knew, you know, down a distance, I knew what we wanted to accomplish. Hey, I knew if if we're just playing for a field goal, these are the best plays. But I knew that in preparation for the week. So to me is I want Derek King to know exactly what Rhett Lashley wants to call when he's going out there on the field. And, and I think what the no huddle does, the no huddle flusters a defensive coordinator because the defensive coordinator doesn't have enough time 
to hear from his GAs back into his headset, all right, they got two tight ends out there, so-and-so and so-and-so. And then he's looking at his play chart going, all right, this is, these are the defenses I like to call. What's the down and distance? He's making his call. So all you're doing is you're forcing the defense, one, either they can't get their right personnel on the field and they have to run a base defense, and he has to make, make, make calls from, from that standpoint. What I don't want is us trying to, you know, I think Gus Malzahn gets a gimmicky a lot. And Gus Malzahn always feels like, it seems like he's trying to out-trick the defensive coordinator. And he may yeah. be able to get you sometimes. I guarantee, you know, he did, uh, he did it to Alabama last year where he ran the punter on the field. And, and it looked like, you know, they were going to punt the ball right before the half. And then the punter was just the 11th guy, and all of a sudden they run a play, and, and Alabama messes up, they get a penalty, and then all of a sudden, you know, good things happen for Auburn. I don't want, I don't want, you know, us to be relying on gimmicks and tricking other, tricking other, other teams. I think, you know, every so often, yeah, you know, throws teams off. But to me, if you're going to run hurry up, fine, run hurry up. But teach the quarterback why he's doing what he's doing. They know the, the, the pros and the cons of it. And I would say this, these guys are better be in damn good shape because you can't run 85 plays, 80, 90 plays a game unless all of those 11 guys are in outstanding physical condition. I agree. Um, we got to start wrapping things up here because our, our Zoom call minutes are about to run out in, in a few. So <laughs> I, I want to get to a memory lane with you and Kelvin. Uh, you, you've obviously had a lot of centers. This is kind of a funny, silly question. Uh I, in terms of sweats uh, and guys, uh, you know, when you're lining up behind him to take the snap, was Kelvin a really sweaty guy? Was he uh, the kind of guy to pass gas in the in the middle of a game? What, what was his <laughs> etiquette as the uh, as the center? <laughs> uh, Manny, I don't I don't know about all that. I, I I know that I know the best part is is. Uh, so we used to, you know, we we get in situations like, if you will, we go to Penn State or Florida State and noise and, you know, and they bring in the speakers or practice and we try to figure out, make sure that everybody knew, that, you know, the front that was called, what's the block, block, blocking protection and this. And, and Kellen used to always try to come up with signals. He would, like, tap his right arm and he'd be, like, over this way or tap his left arm. And I just remember Cersei and, and Claude were like, you know, shut the hell up. We know what the front is. And I, I would just – I was crack up. It. But to me, as the quarterback behind him, I'm like, all right, he gets it. He knows where He knows where the protection is called. You know, and then, you know, I would just have to turn around and tell the back, all right, this is, this is your guy now. You know, those are the kinds of things that, you know, and, and like my coach Erickson always used to talk about accountability. And that's, that's what it is, is you're accountable to yourself, your position, and know that every guy next to you lining up with you is accountable is going to do his job. And I, and I think that uh, I always appreciated that because, you know, if your center doesn't know what the hell he's doing or, or which way he can point the, the guys to, then uh, then you're going to be in for, for a long day. So I think that, uh, you know, it was, it, was, it was a lot of fun. Let me put it that way. It was a lot of fun playing with Kelvin, playing with, playing with Claude and Leon. I mean, those guys, you know, they came in together, with, were, were there the whole time together. 
um, and used to used to give each other grief when when Leon didn't even have a driver's license, and we'd all have to <laughs> have to drive him around and shuttle him around to us. He Leon's the only guy I know had an off-campus apartment, and he didn't have a he didn't have a driver's license or a car. I was like, what the hell are you doing? I got to drive you home now. Jesus. So, anyway. <laughs> Hey, you were Uber. You were Uber before it existed. Oh, yeah. Hey. I was, yeah, I was Uber. But I, I, I will say this. I don't know if Kelly's been on campus since they finished these new dorms, but I know this. If we were in school right now, I would never want to leave that campus. I mean, that campus is, I mean, if you take a recruiting visit and you get on that campus and you're going to tell me there's somewhere else you want to go, then then I, I really don't know what's uh what's for you because that campus is awesome right now i mean it's got everything everything you want it's absolutely gorgeous the weather's you know the weather's nice all the time but uh yeah it's uh it's phenomenal right now how about the raft skeller if we would have had that raft skeller they got right now we would have never left the door we'd have never left the campus like well, Kelly, I, 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 I could, I could, I could tell you this: that this rascaler doesn't have nickel beers anymore. So, uh, you know, we oh, might have, no we might have been having trouble with with Miss Myrna's uh, forty dollars that they give us on uh, on the weekends. Wait, hey, wait a minute! Have you have you looked at the training table they got now? They got like a carving station for everything. I mean, remember? Uh, oh yeah, no, no. Hey, remember Titan? You know what though? We had we had Miss Sarah and Tight Man, and I don't think anybody was was hurting for calories. I mean, I can only imagine how big uh, how big your boy Snuffy would have got Snuffy and Rudy would have gotten if uh, if they had all those carving stations. No, how about Diego? <laughs> Diego would have been like six hundred pounds. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> now who you mentioned five? You mentioned the five dollar beers. Who who was the guy that that nobody could keep Nickel. up with? No, no, the guy five, five, five cent beers. Oh, Nickel. five cent five beers. Cents. Okay. Five cent. Little, okay. Little, little, uh, those little plastic cups and their Friday happy hour were, were five cents. Yeah. 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 I can remember okay. like we used to race over there from spring ball on Friday to, to get a couple of them. <laughs> Matt Britton, Eric Miller, and, uh, Mario. Those are the three, the three kings. Matt Britton, I think, would be <laughs> of the, what? Yeah. the three kings of what? The three kings of the Rascaler? No, drink the, uh, uh, the five cent beers. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I, I can I can tell you this, man. That uh, my let's see, would have been my red shirt year when our my first spring, or no, it was my first year when Erickson came in. Um, so me and Craig. We're basically battling to be the, the starting quarterback. And I can remember we would shower, Craig and I would shower as fast as we could. He had a Chevelle convertible, badass car. And uh, we would race over there, get there for about 30 or 40 minutes of nickel beers. And then we'd go to JJ's Diner on sunset and have a big old open face turkey sandwich. And we'd go home and sleep and get ready for a spring ball and, and scrimmage on Saturday mornings. <laughs> <laughs> Ours was a little different. It was going to uh, Luke's and having a bunch of Remy Martins and uh, Tangerines. <laughs> hey, well, that's what the quarterbacks did, and that's what the linemen did. It was it was sort of a separate party, huh? Well, actually, it wasn't just the linemen; it was the rest of the team. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, you know this was fun, man. I went in the strawberries before. 
Oh, yeah, 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 you did. Hey, Melvin, I had Melvin on the podcast. He tell a story about Craig Erickson at Luke's, man. I, uh, at, yeah, at Luke's. Oh, man, he said Craig was all on top of the table. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> hey, you guys were, uh, <laughs> you guys were classic, but. But uh, you know, hopefully- I, I can ju- I can just say this: that all all those times were made a lot more fun by winning a lot of games. Wow. By and, winning a lot I of games, I know how much fun I, I know how much fun we had, and and I just wish and I hope that that these kids and the and the future kids can can start winning that that amount of games and and you know going to games feeling like they can beat anybody because when when you can do that and when they you know get to that level this city is the the best place in the country to be in when when you're winning whether it's us the heat the dolphin the, you know the marlins this place is is, is second to none and uh well they paid the world series i mean they're a far cry from that now i mean but you know well, technically, they're five and one right now. <laughs> Best start in a long time for sure, <laughs> guys. I, I I I appreciate you guys coming on and doing this with me, man. I really do. Thank you so much. Yo, no problem. Anytime, man. All right, so that was a really fun interview with uh, former Heisman Trophy winner Gino Toretta, and we're gonna transition now because obviously it's a busy day, as I mentioned in Coral Gables. Uh, we're gonna have Manny Diaz and. Blake Baker and Red Lashley, all those guys doing a Zoom interview shortly. But uh, obviously the news that just came down the pike uh, is Leonard Taylor uh, announcing the five-star defensive tackle out of Miami Palmetto, announcing that he's going to be a hurricane, picking them over the Florida Gators. And and that's obviously a huge pickup for Miami. They've now got two five-stars in their recruiting class. That's something that hasn't happened uh, down here, uh, I think, since Duke Johnson and Tracy Howard uh, committed. And we got Charles Fishbein. Uh, coming on the show to talk to us about it. Charles, uh, we had John, I think, last month or a month and a half ago, and we talked about a lot of these kids and just uh, in South Florida, and, and, you know, we talked about, man, man, he's really building some momentum, and then now all of a sudden now he gets a kid like Leonard Taylor. What's your initial thoughts when, when you hear that uh, that Miami's actually got this kid? You know, I, number one thing is we've talked about this before is defense alignment and offense alignment. That's why – you know, you know, the fans get into the five-star wide receivers, the five-star running backs. But at the end of the day, you're not winning without the guys up front. And Leonard Taylor puts them into position of landing a guy that's going to help them win a national championship or contend or make the playoffs. Those are the difference makers at the end of the day are the guys up front. And Leonard Taylor has all the tools to be a special player at University of Miami. Calvin, I know you're not surprised by this uh, announcement for Miami. What do you, uh, what do you think of this uh, finally sort of coming to fruition? I think it makes sense. And you know, looking at twenty, and you know, Fish can talk even in in more detail than this. Looking at the next three classes, twenty one, twenty two, twenty three. This is really, in my opinion, the only defensive tackle in the area that makes sense. I mean, he is head and shoulders. You know, he is a legit, what we call SEC defensive tackle who can make plays in the run game and in the pass and in pass, uh, passing game. And these are the guys like Charles said that help you win national championship. And the one thing that I've noticed is that they are really stockpiling at the offensive and defensive line position. And this is where you win championships. 
I mean, you can literally go out on any road crew and find a wide receiver in South Florida. I mean, you can go to any Wendy's and get a DB. But to find a guy <laughs> at 6'5 and 290 that can stop the run and get you 10 sacks, that guy's hard to find. Well, and of course, this this momentum to me really all started the moment James Williams announced, you know, he was picking Miami over Georgia. And I feel like so much of the narrative has changed for Manny Diaz in, in large part because of the fact that these kids uh, haven't been able to go out and visit other schools. And, and you know, Charles, I know you went and watched a spring practice. You saw Rhett Lashley, the kind of impact that he was having with the offense how do you think, you know, from your perspective, being a guy who talks to all these college coaches, are they shocked? Are they surprised that Miami is pulling off these these five-star kids, or was this sort of expected once coronavirus took hold and, and these guys weren't able to take visits? I think everybody always knows that Miami has a legit shot at these guys, but in the past, I don't, I don't think Miami really went out and tried to go after these guys. If you don't put your line in the water, you're not going to land these big fish, and you have to believe that you have a legitimate shot at landing them and go out and recruit them. You're not going to go five for five on the top kids, but if you're willing to go one for five or two out of five, knowing that those two guys can make the difference between seven or eight wins and push you above that 10, 11 win threshold, and you can start competing for ACC titles and also playoff appearances, you're not going to get those guys. You have to believe it, and the players that you're recruiting have to believe you can recruit them, or they're not going to listen. And that's the one thing is these kids are listening to what these college coaches at UM are saying to them, and they're starting to believe it, where I don't believe in the past uh, years before Manny got there, a lot of times these kids believed what they were hearing from the coaches at Miami. Yeah, and Leonard is a guy that they really convinced because I, I remember interviewing him in March, and I've talked about it on this podcast many times. I was like, hey, what about Miami? He's like, dude, they lost to FIU. So I, I really think that you have to give the recruiting department and Diaz credit for being able to change these kids' opinions and to sell them on the future of the program because they were not buying in back in March. Now all of a sudden you're getting all these commitments. And, you know, Saturday it looked like they were going to get another one. Look, they were going to get another five-star kid and Jason Marshall – uh, a 6'2", 191-pound cornerback, also from Palmetto. Uh, the, the crystal balls went out. Uh, Manny Diaz set off the alarm. And, and then all of a sudden, you know, I'm, I'm hearing, okay, he's going to announce from Miami. And the next thing you know, it never happens. And, Kelvin, I know you you talk to guys through backdoor channels and whatnot. Do we know what happened with, with Jason Marshall? Because I, I, I've heard stories. I guess, what have you heard as, as far as what happened with that? Well, from what I heard, um, the coach held off, told him to hold off. And then somebody said that, you know, he got a visit. You know, he talked to Miami coaches and he talked to Alabama coaches on Saturday. Um, I'm, you know, people have told me conflicting stuff about how much Bama wants him. Like, some people saying that they haven't technically given him a take offer and he's like a third corner. But I can tell you Nick really loves tall, long corners. And I've been hearing from – you know, people around that way that all these kids have pretty much decided they wanted to go to UM. Uh, the one guy that I hadn't really paid attention to is the Collier kid because we got me, you, and Charles and like 15 other guys playing safety at UM, so we didn't really need him. But um, uh, I think he might be of the of the five. He's probably the one that, you know, is the most on the fence. I still think Marshall comes. Um 
You know, I, it, it's, you know, you're right. James Williams made a difference. And I think what you guys are saying about, you know, what Charles is saying about recruiting the guys or, you know, throwing your fish in the, your, your line in the water is that Manny, you know, you know, if you include at his time as coordinator and as head coach, he's been here, this will be his fifth year. And they, <coughs> and they have a resume. Mike Rump has put guys in the league at corner. Banders put guys in the league at safety. We got the best pass rusher in the country. We got three great linebackers. I mean, when you look at the defensive talent, they've done a good job of cultivating it. So if you're a defensive player in South Florida, you can say, well, hey, I'm going to look good playing for these guys on defense. Now, the biggest sell job was the offense. And I guess Charles can attest to this more than me and you because he actually saw it. And you've had a conversation with him about it, and I have too, about the offense looks so good that Manny might be able to get him a bigger house after this season. So, you know, um, I think resume has a lot to do with it because Rhett Lashley was in the SEC, was in a championship, national championship game, and last year he resurrected a morbid program from the dead with this offense. So, you know, and on top of that, all these kids played that offense in high school. They don't have to do a lot of thinking. All they got to do is just perform. Um, Charles, <clears throat> Miami's 2021 20, class is pretty much filled up now. 21 commitments. They ended up losing the Ja'Cory Hammett kid. Uh, and from my understanding, from asking some questions, I, I don't think it was somebody that, that they were necessarily worried about losing. They, like uh, Calvin just said, they, they have some good linebacker, good young linebackers on this team that they're excited about. Um, and, and ultimately, you know, they need scholarships to, if they're going to get go after some of these elite kids. But I, my question to you now is about the 22 class because they finally got their first commitment on that uh, recently. Jamal Johnson, defensive end out of uh, uh, Hollywood, Chaminade, 6'2", 240. I want to ask you about him, and then I want to ask you about a few other 2022 kids because I feel like after this Jason Marshall and, and Leonard Taylor thing sort of works itself out, uh, people are going to be focusing more on, okay, well, what about the next class because that's the way things are in college football. Um what do you think of the Jamal Johnson kid? He's another one of these guys that, you know, Manny's recruited. Got some length, uh, could get off the ball real quick, could put pressure on the quarterback, and he's versatile. You don't have to just stick him at defensive end. He could play an outside linebacker in the scheme. You could put him with his hand up uh, off the ground and rush him as a, a pass rusher. You could put his hand on the ground and put him in a 4-3. So I think his ability to play multiple positions – uh, just gives Manny another piece of the puzzle um, in future classes. These guys all are very similar that he's recruiting. They, you know, they got the length. They got the ability to uh, get off the ball quickly. They have the ability to get pressure on the quarterback. When you talk about Leonard Taylor, we talked about it, the versatility that he could play all four positions on the defensive line. And he, as an offensive coordinator, if you know that you can't just key on one guy, and you could, and the versatility of the guys up front could put pressure on the quarterback. It makes it a lot harder on opposing uh, offenses. Uh, it makes it easier for you to cover on the back end because you don't have to cover guys for so long. And uh, you know, this is just another guy that uh, could do a lot of the things that Manny wants from his guys up front. 
Um, the 22 class obviously has so many good kids as well. I know it's not as good as the 21 class per se locally, but Miami's in on a lot of these guys. And Shamar Stewart, you know, mm. is, is looked at by many people as the the number one player in the country next year out of Monsignor Pay, 6'5", 236. Uh, they're also in on uh, Kamari Wilson out of uh, Bradenton IMG Academy, Earl Little at uh, American Heritage, six-foot cornerback, and then uh, Wesley Besaint, uh out of Miami uh, Central, the linebacker, 6'1", 200 pounds. Um, which kids locally in the 2022 class do you like and why? Now, the kid at Pace has got a lot of potential. I don't know if he's the number one player in the entire country or the state of Florida. He's still a raw prospect. You look at him, uh, he's he's about where, like, Rousseau was at the same age. So you're talking about a kid that you're looking at two years down the road once he gets in the system uh, in college and can develop. And it, then it comes down to how hard the kid's willing to work in that weight room and put in the extra time to become a great player. He's not a great player right now. If you watch his film, you see the potential. I've seen the kid play for the last two years. The talent's there. It's just, you know, getting that extra ability out of a guy. And then a lot of that comes down to desire and will from that prospect himself. Yeah. Well, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Uh, I appreciate you coming on, Charles, to talk about, uh, these guys that, that Miami is chasing because recruiting is such an important aspect to, to this all, man. And uh, you're always nice enough to give us some of your time and your thoughts on the players. So thank you for that. Thank you. All right. That's going to wrap it up for us, Kelvin. Any final thoughts from you? Yeah. Um, that's not uh, – we pretty much got everybody we wanted. Um, Marshall, I think, will come into the fall. And – I think there's still a good chance that Ja'Cory Brooks puts on number seven for the University of Miami next year. Hey, now, that'd be four five-star kids. Yeah, it's nothing's out of the realm of possibility. Especially, like, you know, what me and Gina were talking about. If we come out of the first month, you know, God willing, we're allowed to play this season, and we play those first four games, and we beat Clemson at Clemson, I'm going to put it on the line right now. I'm doubling down. Because I've told, I've told the kid's daddy this. After the first month, Ja'Cory Brooks will be a Miami Hurricane. Wow. That's a bold prediction on your part, homie. Listen, we'll see what happens. No, listen, if we're 4-0 after the first month and we've beaten Clemson and Florida State and Clemson at Clemson, come on. <laughs> man, man, you know he's a UM guy, all right? I, I listen. I I gotta always pull right pull there. him back. I gotta pull him back, man. I gotta remind him that thirteen and thirteen. That's the record the last two years. But hey, he's an optimist. He's an optimist. That's why I got him on the show. Miami fans love Kobe. Hey, you heard Gino. 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 You know he he paused the questions, but you didn't hear Gino say it ain't possible. You heard Gino say, "Yo, there's some question marks, but it's possible." I mean, right. when you look at talent, like I said, the reason why on my podcast I started with Clemson evaluating teams. And this is before we knew we were playing them. I evaluated Clemson first because they're supposed to be at the top of the heat. And when I looked at their roster, I didn't see a better roster than what I'm seeing at Green Tree. I saw a team that's more experienced. I saw a team with a really good coaching staff, but I didn't see better talent. And if you break it down, we got more draft picks. We're going to have more high draft picks. It's just a question of, are we going to pee on our leg like we've done the last two years? Or are we going to poke our chests out and be the kings we're supposed to be? You know, the crown is there for us to take. It's just a matter of not if they're going to take it. 
that's the only question. Charles, what do you think? Hey, I, I, yeah, I'm not on record saying I, I just think I take one game at a time. Let them come out and, you know, they got to winning is all attitude. Like if they win a few games and they, it, carry, it starts to carry over and then you worry about Clemson. I, I, they just have to come out and win the games they're supposed to. Uh, and then we'll talk about, you know, the Clemson's – it's not just talent, just the coaching staff there. They've done it. The kids, everybody's bought in. So, you know, Miami's chasing them, and until you do it, they're the champion until somebody knocks them off their throne. I agree. So, I'm, you know, I'm not going to disagree. Miami does have a very good team this year. It's just – but it takes time to build up to that level of – it's not just – having the talent to beat Clemson, it's the confidence and everything from the right, everything, it's, a lot of it's going to be momentum going into that game. You know, uh, Miami stumbled the last couple of years before they get to a game like that. So it's carrying it the first couple of games. Let's get through the first couple of games, see how these guys gel as a team, and then, you know, ask me then. I'm not going <laughs> to stick my neck out on the line right now. <laughs> Well, yeah. I, I, I'm just going to keep my fingers crossed that we have a season to begin with. Well, All that's, right, what, guys. I that's exactly. what I said. God willing, we have a season. But to Charles's point, let me tell you something. In 1983, they'd never done it. They just don't. I used to listen to those guys when they worked out with us. They said, hey, we decided we was going to win a national title. You know what I'm saying? At some point, you, you just enough is enough. But to his point about being up and winning the games we're supposed to win, the game before Clemson is who? Florida State. So right. if you think they're not going to come into the Clemson game ready to go, because there ain't going to be no letdown, because they got to play Florida State the week before, and then they got Clemson, we're going to find out all we need to find out about these kids. No but, you know, you look at that game. I, I didn't know they had Florida State before, but you put so much emotion in that game, and now you have to come back a week later and bring that same emotion. And they haven't done that. So until you see them do it, it's hard to sit there for me to sit there and go, hey, they're going to win this game. I do believe they'll beat Florida State this year, but there's so much that – you know, we've seen teams – there's one or two years maybe in the last 20 where one Florida State had more talent than Miami and the game wasn't closer, vice versa. Even in – what was it, 2002, Miami I think came into that game like a 15-point <coughs> favor. And Greg Jones went off. You just – that game, there's so much emotion that comes into that game. And now college kids, it's very hard. That's why I say, you know, everybody sits there and goes, oh, we're going to win this game, win this game. It's hard to get college kids, especially these days, up 11 straight weeks. That's that's where coaching comes in. It's being able – you know, I spoke to one coach once. Um, I think I think it was Kevin Steele or one of these coaches. He was at Florida State at the time. And he goes, Fish, I'll, I'll, we'll get them up for Miami. We'll get them up for – it's like getting them up for Wake Forest, getting them up for Duke. It's 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 11-week grind. And this year with so much going on, if, if Manny's able to do that, it's even a better coaching job than any of us thought because mentally this is going to be a draining year on these kids because you don't know every week that, ga- that, that uh, season could be shut off. Just like that. So keeping these kids focused, just come out, show us something different in week one and two, and then come back to me then and I'll be able to tell you, hey, listen, you know what? They'll beat Clemson. Until I see that consistency from week to week, it's hard for me to say, oh, yeah, they're going to win every ball game. No, By I, the way, four, 
I agree. Four ACC teams made the uh, coaches' top 25 poll. Number one, Clemson. Number 10, Notre Dame. That's weird to say. Um, you got, uh, where is it, 19, North Carolina, and 24, Virginia Tech. So the coaches, this is the coaches' poll. They voted four ACC teams ahead of Miami. Miami's mm-hmm. not in that top 25. And you look at all four of those teams, one thing they have in common, they all have their quarterbacks back. You know, So Miami's got a very good one, but you look at the kid at Notre Dame, he's very underrated. Um, Clemson probably has the best quarterback in the country. So it, it's a lot easier when you know that that one piece, the most important piece of the uh, pie is settled in. Uh, that's why those teams are ranked in the top 25. Yep. All right, guys, I really got to wrap it up this time. So uh, we'll, we'll, we'll uh, end it here. See you next show. The new Miami, the new Miami.